This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. I've got fire! Salk, you didn't get into the NFL because you couldn't say no to the soft serve. Come on. That's true. Who can say no to soft serve? Saw Aaron talking all about his soft serve and what he got in New York last night. He was pretty excited about the uh, ice cream scene, it seemed like, at Yankee Stadium. And I'm uh, I'm right there with him. That stuff's important. I want to talk to some Seahawks stuff here. But before I do, Moro just <laughs> told me about this. And I got I to gotta do it. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't – I can't not play you this sound. Well, do you want the f- – quote that I read you first. Yeah, let, so so let me just explain kind of what's going on here. So Aaron Rodgers, uh, after canceling mandatory mini camps just a couple of weeks ago, we don't know exactly why Robert Salah canceled them, but it sure seemed like Aaron wasn't going to come. And so he was like, well, I guess we better cancel these so that we don't embarrass ourselves without our starting quarterback there. Anyway, uh, Aaron Rodgers, fresh off his darkness retreat and all the you know arrogant stuff that he said to his team. And I, you know the history. He was today, just this morning, speaking in Chicago. Speaking at a conference in Denver. In Denver, excuse me. for the legalization of psychedelics. Okay. The legalization of psychedelic drugs. This is Aaron Rodgers. So here, here's his quote, and then we'll play you some other sound of it. This is the one that I read to you when you said you got fired up. Uh, he said, you know, words are so interesting. They have such power in their spells. There's a reason it's called spelling, because the way that the letters are put together have such power. Right. That is true. Thank you, Aaron, for that deep dive into the etymology of the word spelling. Now, please play me some sound in case you want to know what Aaron Rodgers sounds like at this conference. This is uh, this is what's going on there. And I know in, in Colorado that uh, psilocybin has been decriminalized. But is it not? Yeah. Is it not ironic that the things that actually expand your mind are, are illegal and the things that keep you in the lower chakras and dumb you down have been legal for centuries? Um, because I guarantee you, all these bums who want to you know, come after me online about my experience and stuff, they've never tried it. They're the perfect people for it. We need to get these people taking it. Yep. There's more there, too. He, he talks about how he had a better season yeah, on ayahuasca, right? You know, the previous year, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. We had a good season. Ayahuasca, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. MVP. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? All right. Oh, so I'm, I'm all for people exploring and, and expanding and doing whatever they want to do. But just don't, I'm so self-righteous about it. <laughs> the self-righteousness <laughs> is a bit much. That's not even what bothers me, though. I, I got to tell you. So this is I'm not going to rant about whether or not psychedelics should be legal or illegal. Quite frankly, it's not something I spend a lot of time thinking about. It's not all that important in my life. And I don't care that much. This is not going I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's right or that he's wrong or that that's appropriate or inappropriate. There's going to be absolutely no moralizing about the content of what Aaron Rodgers is saying. He might be right. He might be wrong. I'm not getting involved. I'm not a drug guy. It's not it's not something that interests me. I know there are people who are. I'm not a drug guy, but I try not to get too invested in that whole debate. Okay. But here's what I don't understand and what I think is sad. To have the platform 
that Aaron Rodgers has. To be one of the most famous people in America, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time, to get an opportunity to play the most popular sport in the country at a time in which it is at its peak and be for years, if not the best player in that league, certainly in the conversation. To have the communication skills that Aaron possesses, the access to the education at Berkeley that he received, and everything else, not to mention the money and everything else that has gone Aaron Rodgers' way, people listen to him. He has influence. He has a level of power. And there are so many things he could do with that power, with that voice. And I'm not saying that this is a terrible idea. I'm not saying that, that, that this isn't a worthy cause. Maybe it is. I don't necessarily get involved. It's not for me. But I can't imagine if I had that level of voice that I would use it for this. It feels like an absolute waste of an incredible opportunity to influence the world and to influence people around you. Again, I'm not saying it's worth zero or that he's wrong, but think about all of the things out there you could do with that voice, with that power, with that amount of respect that you have from other people. Just based on the fact that you're good at football Mm -hmm. and you're a good communicator. The world is open for Aaron Rodgers to do anything he wants with that. And to like spin a roulette wheel and end up with, I want to make sure I talk to people about psychedelics? Really? If he was here, he would tell you that's exactly why he's doing it. Because it does mean that much. And it is that important. And they can't unlock it. No, 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 no. You know he would say that. I'm sure he would. And I don't think and he I, spun a roulette wheel. And, I think he's a very and I don't, calculated Yeah, I'm sure. And I don't... And he spun the roulette wheel. I was like, whoa, that thing's <laughs> far out, man. I, I, I don't know... Well, and it might be easier to take from someone else, right? Like someone that hasn't come on and basically bragged about how they like avoided personnel from their team and made them like wait out in their yard. But then they're like, I don't know. They haven't contacted me. They said they were going to be in touch. Like it's just I think it's his attitude this whole time that makes it harder to take any of this from him. He's he's nauseating with all of those things. And you're absolutely right. And it diminishes the ability to take him seriously. And, And that's without even getting into the stuff he said about, you know, the pandemic and all of that. I mean, again, I don't want to take sides on the controversies. I'm not here to have that debate. I just can't imagine having that much power, that much voice, that much reach and saying, all right, here we go. Finally, someone's going to talk about psychedelics. Really? Well, we are getting some, some people talking about the benefits of microdosing and stuff on the text line. I'm not saying like, there aren't okay, benefits. But when Aaron Rodgers goes to a conference and says, look how much better I played right. doing this, like not everybody is going to be responsible when they hear that and try to model themselves after their favorite I, I, quarterback. More, I don't even want to get into the debate. Maybe, maybe microdosing is great. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not a doctor and I'm not involved or invested in that cause at all. I just can't imagine using my power to talk about it. Seems ludicrous. It seems so unimportant considering all of the incredibly important things that he could do with the power and the voice and the reach that he has. So, you know what? I, I'm disappointed in Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what I would do with it, question asked. I don't know. It's a good question. I w- I'm wondering. I don't know what I would do. And this is probably too long to answer in a minute. 
is if how much of your perspective or opinion on it changed after becoming a parent. Because I see him as the kind of guy that never wants to grow up. Zero. It's the, Zero. The Peter it's Pan. Just, this is lame. It's just a lame, immature thing to spend that, that much time on mm. when you're Aaron Rodgers. And his perspective is obviously very different. No kidding. <laughs> obviously it is. I don't know. I just, I, anyway, I think there's a lot he could do. And unfortunately, this does not feel like it should be in the same level of all of those things. You've got a, a lot of opportunity in front of you, and he's just choosing to waste mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. uh, I was going to talk about the Seahawks, and obviously I missed that opportunity. So we'll come back. We'll give you everything you need to know. Thanks a lot, Aaron Rodgers. Now you've caused me to veer away from my plan. How dare you? Uh, we'll give you everything you need to know. Jerry DePoto joins me in 20. Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710CLSports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, Tuesday night's start to the road trip was not good, and last night was no better, maybe worse, maybe just exactly the same. Felt like a carbon copy, quite frankly. 4 2, they lose in New York. Luis Castillo wasn't great, wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. Gave up home runs to the uh, everlasting dynamic duo of Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers. He only made it five innings. The offense, though, again, the problem. Kind of. Well, putrid. It was bad. They're just the approach seems to have gone back to where it was just a couple of weeks ago. Scott Service, not wild about the compete level. You have to compete every night in this league. You got to compete. You got to fight. Really, from the first inning on. I thought the last couple innings, yeah, you know, the dead bats were better. But you really got to fight from the first inning on. And if you don't, you know, uh, you're going to be feeling good about it at the end of the game. So uh, we're better than that. Uh, we know we are. And um, needs to turn. We have four more games in this road trip against really good teams. Uh, we need to be more competitive. They certainly do. And while the Yankees are a good team, I don't know that I could say the lineup and even starting pitcher they were throwing out there last night really qualifies, right? I mean, you're talking about a rookie starter with a huge ERA who hadn't done much and was just called back up from AAA and a lineup that is missing all of their big guns. And still, you generate just nothing, a complete power outage. And then they still manage to get the tying run to the plate late in the ninth, two on, nobody out. And you go fly ball, fly ball, strikeout. Just just tough, man. One more in New York. Brian Wu will go today. And then they head to Baltimore to see a team that is pretty good. So get it going, boys. Get it going. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, in the middle uh, in the middle of all of this is Julio Rodriguez. He's the center of it all. He is their biggest star. He is the guy that you're counting on to kind of carry the team through stretches like this. And unfortunately, right now, Julio seems to be mired back into this slump that has cost him most of this season. Scott saying that, yeah, he could probably benefit from seeing a few more pitches now and again. I think there's times he could benefit, and I've talked to him about it. And uh, I just think he's such a talented player. It's okay to hit with one strike. It's okay to hit with two strikes. And I think the more times you see a particular, you know, the release point, the break on the breaking ball, or what the two-seamer's doing out of his hand, the more times you see it, the more success you're going to have. Yeah, Julio has not been particularly patient. He's chased fastballs. He's chased outside the zone much more so this year than we've seen in the past. And this game of baseball calls for adjustments. I think people are paying uh, very close attention to Julio and you know, certain characteristics uh, on how they're attacking him inside the strike zone, outside the strike zone. They're paying attention like you do all guys that are good players. You try to get them conscious inside. They are throwing some balls inside and then opens up 
the outside corner. It's really hard to cover both. I think that's what you're seeing happen on a really consistent basis. Yeah, Julio makes really hard contact. That's part of what sets him apart and why everyone's so excited about his skills and what he showed last year. He's just got to make some better decisions about when to swing to generate that hard contact, which, again, I think he's going to get. He's such a young player, and this is such the process of Major League Baseball, figuring it out, getting adjusted against, having to adjust yourself. Julio's smart. He's talented. He works hard. He's got all of the things going for him to get this moving in the right direction. But right now, it's not. I mean, right now, he's fighting it, and it's, uh, it's a challenge because this team needs him to be the player that he's capable of being. Here's the third thing you need to know. I did uh, I did end up watching some of the uh, hockey last night. I watched actually the whole game. It was a really, really good hockey game. Up and down series that finished up with a great Game 7. Went to overtime for the Calder Cup Finals. AHL champion to be crowned. Would the Kraken affiliate get it done? The Firebirds of Coachella Valley. Involved as well. Workshop in front. Vecchioni couldn't settle it down. Puck still available in front of the net. Who's puck? Yeah, couldn't quite get it done, but they were good. They're a fun team to watch, and you can see sort of what's coming for the Kraken. The guy that jumped out probably the most was Riker Evans, second-round pick last year, so or two years ago. The year they drafted Matty Beneers first, he was the, their second pick that year. He's defenseman, moves the puck well, has some offensive skills. He definitely is someone you notice when you watch an entire game, and I wouldn't surprise me if he's fighting for a spot here uh, at the NHL level next year. And you got to be impressed with Joey Decor. If they had ended up winning, he's probably the MVP of the playoffs. We've seen him a little bit up here at the NHL level. And last year, I thought he was pretty good when he filled in. He's just really active, which I like. He's like a... He's like Ron Hextall for those people who go back all the way to the 80s. Like a guy that is constantly in motion, wants to be involved in the play, doesn't just sit back and wait for it to come to him. He's pretty active. Ron Hextall's a name. Tim Thomas is another one. Guys that kind of go to the puck. And uh, I enjoyed watching him last night. Unfortunately, and I, you know, again, just one game. Shane Wright just does not show up. And that is something I think you would really, really like to see happen. They banked quite a bit on uh, on Shane Wright with the fourth pick last year. And they need him to be the player that he was supposed to be as well. That is everything you need to know. And you do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. I uh, saw some, well, a lot of chatter on Twitter last night about how bad Phil Cuzzy was. Oof, Umpire brutal. scorecard came out. Yeah. 95% overall accuracy. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I watched the game, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I watched, and I guess, like, there's a and lot of pitches. In uh, three, you know, they have the umpire scorecard has the three most impactful missed calls to the three against the Yankees. Yeah, great. Well, that's not the game that I watched. I got to mm-hmm. tell you, like, maybe that's maybe that's the facts, and maybe I'm just biased, and my brain is in a cloud with frustration and everything else. But yeah. uh, there are a lot of text messages about Aaron Rodgers and psychedelics that I'm really not going to continue to get into. I've said my piece on it, and I don't feel like I need to keep going. Uh, and then I'll address this before Jerry comes on. Salk, show some of that annoyance and energy at Jerry during the interview. Here's the thing. And I'm just going to tell you guys this right now before this starts. That's not what an interview is. That's not what an interview is. It's li- The word is interview. It's not a complaint session. So we are going to, I am aggravated with the Mariners and the way they're playing. I am frustrated watching them last night. I think there are issues. I'm going to ask Jerry DePoto questions about that. I am not going to yell at him for you. 
Just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna spare you the suspense right now. Nor would any other interviewer in the world who works for a professional business. That's not the job. I would be fired, as I should be. That's not the job. I am not going to yell at, Jen or, at Jerry or anybody else well, for you. At the end of the day, I, like he's frustrated right now too, but I, he I, takes the time to come on with us every week. Like I, I don't understand. I just want to spare everybody what the suspense. You think it's going to change us being mad at him? You, you can be mad at him. You can be mad at me. I don't know why. A lot of people seem to be mad at me because the Mariners aren't doing well, and that's fine. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask Jerry questions. I got a lot of them. I want to know about his level of frustration. I want to know what the heck has happened to the offensive approach here over the last couple of days. I want to know why Scott's talking about the compete level. That's concerning to me. So I'm going to ask him the questions, and we'll hear what he has to say. That, that's what an interview is. It's trying to get information from the person who is being interviewed. We'll do that next with Jerry, who generally is pretty thoughtful about these things. Generally is very transparent, and I would expect him to be so next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Yep, it is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710CLSports.com. Jerry DePoto should be with us. Well, in just a moment or so. He's uh, not quite here yet, but uh, we expect to talk to Jerry. Obviously, uh, the Mariner streak of losing on Wednesdays does continue. Jerry said a couple times that he keeps hoping they'll have a Wednesday win so that it's a different conversation here on a Thursday. But not so yesterday. Unfortunately, their Wednesday win or loss uh, looked a lot like their Tuesday loss. Kind of a very similar, eerily similar kind of a deja vu and and just uh, two games that were offensively you know, nothing to speak of. And and I guess the thing that I, I and I want to ask Jerry about it here in a minute is the approach, right? Last week when we had Jerry on, we'd seen a couple of weeks of a better approach, right? Inconsistent, we, but better overall. Not perfect. It wasn't every day. But you were starting to see signs that maybe this offense is going to come out of it. The approach looked better, staying up the middle. There were some reasons to be kind of hopeful about it. And then I don't know what happened, maybe starting with Chicago, but especially, you know, what we saw the last two games in New York. It has just felt like that's out the window. Now, one of those games is Garrett Cole. Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, I expected them to come out and score seven runs against one of the best pitchers in the game. But Johnny Burrito. you got to find a way to work through that one. And then, yeah, obviously things a little bit different yesterday. So with all that as a backdrop, let's talk to Jerry DePoto. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Good morning, Jerry. Mike, how are you? I'm good. How are you? What's the what is the frustration level at today? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's been an ongoing level of frustration, and uh, I, it's I, I'd like to tell you that that I hope it's reached its reached its peak, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it's not been a great run for us, and and I think we're all aware of that. It's a, I, I feel like we've at least identified where the issues lie, and and now it's it's on us to to figure out how to pull ourselves out of it. Where do the issues lie? Our offense just doesn't score runs, and you know it's a it's been a problem for quite some time now. We've we've over the last six weeks, I think, done a better job of generating base runners on a fairly consistent basis. Uh, last few days aside, but you know we we still really struggled to convert that into runs consistently. And you know at the 
that's the big issue with this team is consistency. Um, we show flashes. We have fun players. I, I think we've, you know, we show our capability. You, you know, on season, we, we have a positive D to Z number despite an absurdly high strikeout rate for our lineup. We, we've generated a positive run differential, and still we find ourselves, you know, scrapping and clawing to try to figure out how to separate ourselves from 500. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I heard Scott use the word compete yesterday, and and I guess I was a little concerned to hear that. I mean, why why what what does the word compete mean to you when he says you got to compete out there every inning right from the start? You know, I think it's it's on all sides of the ball. It's a it's a level of focus, which I think we've all seen our team's level of focus. You know, it, it comes and it goes, and when we are really focused and we are intent in the batter's box, and we are putting on good at-bats, we're taking the balls, swinging at the strikes. If our pitchers go out and drill the strike zone, we generally see positive results. And you know, one, I guess, a, a trait that has, has shown itself with this team is, is for a three-, four-, five-inning stretch or even three games, we, we teeter and we seem to disappear. And I think when Scott says compete – that's what he's referencing is, is it's 24 seven. It's 162 games a year that you are dialed in and you are competing. And if you let your guard down that the, the other team is going to pass you by. That's, you know, effectively in reference. So I, I, I just, to uh, you know, I hear that word compete. I hear focus. I hear, you know, consistency. How do those differ from effort? Oh, I think the effort is unquestionably there. This is, it's, uh, you know, this team works as hard as any team you're going to be around. Team staff shows up at the crack of dawn. I mean, truly, it's the earliest uh, I've ever seen the staff get to the ballpark. They put the work. I I wish I could tell you why. And maybe it is that they're just there too long. The the focus is is too much on, on trying to pull themselves out instead of just breathing and having a little bit of fun with it. But I'm hopeful that as we get to the break and are able to reset ourselves here in a couple of weeks, that that we come out on the other side of this in close proximity to 500 with a chance to to have a better second half once we change our focus, because I think we need it. Jerry, uh, we've talked about the approach at the plate the last couple of weeks, right? And and some of the messaging that changed and going back up the middle. And it seemed like it had it was it was working for a little while, and certainly against the Marlins. And then I don't know the last couple of games, as you mentioned, the old approach seemed to be back. Where where does that disconnect occur? Uh, you know, it's it's really it's just a panic. I don't know another way to to describe it. And when you run into Lance Lynn on a day when you strike out 18 times, you know, you it's everybody. We walk away winning that game, and nobody feels good about that win. It's you you get on the the plane, you fly to New York, and your general thought is, you know, we pulled one out there, and it's a roughly we had three good at bats in the game, and we were able to manage that because our pitching was excellent. And, you know, I, I think you get in uh, to New York on Tuesday and you're facing what has been the best pitcher in our league. And, and he gave it to us. You know, I, I got a difficult time. And now when that piles up and it's two days, it, it starts to get on you. And you're over four turned into over eight. And, you know, now you're out there on day three. And we've talked about this so many times. It, it, it is a, a this is timeless in baseball that when you feel that over eight, that over 12 start to pile up on you, you really start to press and it's hard to succeed when you press. And 
you know, we, we watched it last night against a fairly inexperienced pitcher who had been struggling in AAA before coming back to the Yankees. We went out and we made a lot of soft outs early in counts. We didn't really do the things that you have to do to grind. Uh, a team that, frankly, they're down to. You know, the Yankees were down when we came in. And, you know, we let them off the hook a little bit last night. And in, in that focus, you know, we didn't focus on the things that we can do to, to compete against that team in a meaningful way. So one of the things then that I found myself trying to figure out as, as we've watched them struggle, and, and I know baseball can kind of go in a few different directions at once, do you think that they are at times wound too tight or are they too loose? You know, I wish I knew. I would, I would say that this is not a tight team. You know, that, that's not a, a, an issue with this team. We have, we have some players that are maybe on, on the scale of intensity, uh, on you know, zero to 10, some that are closer to 10, some that are closer to zero. But this is not a tightly wound team, perhaps too loose, you know, perhaps you know, believing that, ah, oh, we've done this before, we'll turn on the water when it's time. It's a tough thing to do in this league. And you know, it's a, I think we're learning lessons. We're still a fairly young team, you know, by the standards of this league. And, and there's still enough season to do the things that we need to do to, to right the, the wrong, to, to turn the, the ship around. But at the end of the day, it's, it's going to require focus. And, and right now we are distracted young players. We are, we are veterans who are not having great years that are trying to figure out how to get back to their norms. And we've talked about it before. When that's happening collectively, you know, it's hard to find the, the stabilizing voice in the middle of the room because everybody's focus might be on something different than just the, the outcome of the game that night. Do you think they're feeling some of the weight of the expectations heading into this year? Perhaps, you know, I, I can't say that for sure. That's probably on an individual basis. I don't think that we are collectively, you know, and, or as an organization, I don't feel like we're feeling that way. The season, we thought we were a good team. Uh, and, and frankly, so did the pundits. Like we snuck up on anybody. We were a playoff team last year. We won 90 in a row, 90 games, two years in a row. I, I really don't think this is a case of, of you know, crumbling to the expectation. I, I think this is more the case of you know, our expectations of ourselves are so high. And from me to Scott to every player in that room, and, you know, right now, I'm sure we just haven't, we haven't done the things that we are capable of doing. And, and I think everybody in that room feels that. We don't need external forces to remind us that we're falling short of, of our goals or whatever were we've fallen short of our own and and that's the most important thing is getting back to uh, effectively doing the things that we know we can do well and that's probably a good uh, lead-in into julio i mean the, the guy who is the best most talented guy in this team who can do things that none of us have seen uh, I, I got some of this research uh, sent to me from from fox i'm kind of curious about it. it says julio and and this is related to his swing decision says it looks like some of his decline is his own swing decisions rather than how pitchers are pitching him last year he tied for eighth in baseball with a swing take run value this year he's tied for 142nd specifically on fastballs he says he's been less aggressive on hitting on more hittable fastballs at the heart of the plate and more aggressive on tougher pitches around the edges of the plate and farther outside. How, how does that, how does that, how does that tend to happen to a player who's as talented as Julio? We may have lost Jerry. <laughs> Either no, that or, no, here I oh, there we go. Oh, we found Jerry again. Phew. 
Yeah, I walk closer to a window. It's a uh, it's a rainy day in New York. This is uh, <laughs> not good on cell phone coverage. No but problem. We uh, I the the question, and and I think you know what you just described with Julio. You could effectively plug in almost all of our hitters, and that has that has been a collective struggle for us, and an area where we've generally done very well in the last couple of years with. A lot of the same personnel, you know, a lot of the same players, a lot of the same coaches, a lot of the, it's a, a lot of the same theory. We, we're just not executing. And, and this is that, that, I guess, that stress that we talked about a moment ago when, when you're not performing to your own expectations, to whatever your own standard is, so you start to push. And I don't think it's that, you know, Julio or any of our other hitters is thinking, I need to get the big hit. I really don't think that. I, I think they're out there trying to figure out how to find themselves and how to stand up to their own goals and expectations. And 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 it forces you to do things, you know, I guess the emotion of that, the, you know, the belief that there's something more that you're not achieving. You, you go out and you try to do more. But but I don't think it is it is you know, driven toward the, I have to be the one to drive in that run. I know that's going to be an easier uh, explanation for, you know, the game of the week crew or someone who's not around this team every day. But, you know, if you watch our team, they're not a tight group. They're not, you know, this is a hardworking group. I I really do think they have high standards for themselves and they know we're falling short. And this is the result of it is that you're just pushing harder and harder and when you push harder, you swing at pitches you just shouldn't swing at. And Julio's a good example of it. Do you think that any of this uh, was foreseeable? Could it have been mitigated with a with a different plan heading into the year? Don't know how. You know, and I've said this before on the airwaves. I, I take full responsibility for putting this roster together. This is the same team, the same core of a team that 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 did the things that it did a year ago, and frankly, played a pretty good season in twenty twenty one and. You know, our pitching has generally stood up to, to expectations and, and then some. Uh, it's a, could we talk about park factors and weather in the early season? Sure. It's, it's now the third week in June, and we're still doing the same thing and, and making the same mistakes. And at some point, you know, we have to, we have to collectively get back on track. And, and I don't think it's going to be one player at a time. I really don't. I think this is going to be one of those things that is contagious and when we have the, the standard setter in the room that says, guys, this is the way we do it. And uh, we just, we have not really struck on that. I, I wish I knew, you know, what we could have done at the, at the start to mitigate this. It's a collective struggle that I don't think anybody saw coming, which is why we're having this conversation and why, you know, it's widely written about. We are falling short of standards that were, standards for a reason they were expected for a reason there's a good talented baseball team that's not playing like a good talented baseball team we don't get to see the behind the scenes we don't get to see what goes on uh in the clubhouse on the plane you know before the games etc how do you think scott is handling you know this this it struggles i don't know if that's the right word but sort of the situation where it is yeah, it's a, it's funny. We talk about this like you know we're at DefCon one, and it's it, again we're we're hovering around five hundred, <laughs> and it's a it's a crummy place to be. We've talked about that, and I I think Scott has handled it with equal parts. Let's find the solution, and you know let's raise the standards. What we are trying to achieve here, it's 
we've we've got our trackables, we we our measurables, the things that we show the players on a fairly regular basis. You know, we have gone through multiple iterations of trying to to change the messaging, the way we are getting information to our players. We've tried to tamp down the information so that it's not too much to absorb. Uh, but roughly it's the same programs that, that most of these players thrived with a year ago. And, you know, I, I, I don't know a way to say it other than we're going through, you know, I, roughly the sophomore struggle. And when I say sophomore struggle, it's not for players who are rookies in 2022. It's you know, we graduated from an interesting team to 21 to a contending team in 22. Now we are a sophomore contender and we're finding it, harder than we thought we would and now we have to figure out how to to take that that the, the hard and make it easy and now i like i said there's a lot of season left to do that but we got to get to work uh usually we just sort of run through some injury uh, updates and i guess we'll do that now um marco gonzalez any any update on where marco's at no none still no timeline and uh you know he's not yet begun a, a full-fledged throwing program we're waiting to see uh on uh, where he is physically and and until he gets down that slope like we talked about next uh, or last week until he gets down that slope we really won't have a timeline on on his return and do we know any more about jp crawford we'd heard he was going to have an mri uh, JP is just day to day. I don't know uh, where we are in terms of his availability today. He was available yesterday for you know in-game replacement if necessary. So I don't know that we're dealing with you know anything that that should be considered more than short term. But obviously he's been out for a game and a half, and and would love to have him back. He's part of what makes us go. And then I saw Trevor Gott was supposed to pitch last night. I guess I never checked to see whether he did. How's he doing? Uh, Goddard's doing okay. You know, he's, uh, it's, it's hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. We'll see how he comes out. And, you know, the, the goal is one more outing. And, uh, if that goes well, he hasn't missed too much time and, you know, he's physically responded very well, but as, as is always the case with players returning from injury, wait till he wakes up today, fills us in on how he's feeling and then we'll assess from there. Well, Jerry, we appreciate you taking some time with us today. Obviously, frustration uh, everywhere in the last couple of games don't help that. One of these days, we'll see if we can do this after a winning Wednesday. But uh, until uh, next week, thank you. We appreciate it. Have a uh, good rest of the road trip. Appreciate it, Mike. All right, there you go. There is uh, Mariners president of baseball operations, Jerry Depoto, and certainly a lot to react on. Uh, I'll react from there. Let's see. I, I have some notes. I was kind of taking them. Brock got in my head, and I was taking notes this time. I don't, I don't always do that. Do you have that. all your Sharpies laid out? No, I got a pencil. It's like a mechanical pencil. I don't even know what I'm doing over here. <laughs> all right, well, he's, trapper he's, keeper. Brock still got some more work to do with you then. Yeah. Well, all right. So, so here you go. That 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 is an interview. That's sort of what an interview is. Again, I'm not here to argue with Jerry, and I'm not here to to yell at him for people. But I think I hear some things in there that are concerning. I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. I hear some things in there that are concerning. The effort versus focus thing, I'm not sure I fully understand that. I'm not sure I understand his answer there. If it's it's focus and focus comes from being competitive and working at it all the time, well, that does start to sound like effort. And effort might not mean the same as, you know, how early you show up at the ballpark. It might not be how, you know, how much time you spend in the cage, but it might be how focused you are during a game. Maybe I'm splitting hairs. I don't know. 
But I hear I hear him say focus. I hear them say compete. I hear them say consistency, but not effort. And look, I get it. If I'm Jerry Depoto or Scott Service, I am never, ever, ever going to call out in words the effort of my players. Of course. Never going to do it. It is it is mutiny on the bounty the moment you do. So if I'm Jerry, that's exactly what I say. But the reality of the situation, what I hear is that that is effort. That there is a that 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 if you're going to call out those three words, focus. Sorry, I'm frothing at the mouth here. Focus, <laughs> compete, and consistency. And you're going to question all three of those things. And I've heard it now from Scott and or Jerry on all three words. What you're really doing, at least to my to my view, is you're questioning effort. How hard are you working at this? Not do you spend enough time in the cage. They do. He's right. No issues there. Are you working hard enough during the game to maintain focus? When I hear about distracted young players... You hear that? Do you hear that little phrase? I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like distracted young players. That leads to focus. That leads to issues on the field. If you're not, if you're distracted, you're not paying attention to the game in front of you. You're not focused. You're not going into every game with a plan. Ironically, one of the youngest players on the team seems to be the most focused. That's Jared Kelnick. And yet he's gone through the most struggle, which is why the part of the sophomore slump jumped out to me there. I don't like hearing focus and compete and uh, and consistency because I think what that is is effort. And I totally understand why Jerry wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it either if I were him. I would let the players get mad at some idiot radio host, then get mad at the guy who decides who plays and who doesn't and who gets paid and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. Jerry does not need players mad at him. But what I hear there is, is effort. That's my interpretation. Nobody saw this one coming. That's I I can't say that either. I didn't see it coming. I thought this team was going to be a lot better, but certainly the back and forth that I had with many a Mariner fan over the course of this offseason, a lot of people did see it coming. A lot of people did see it coming. Not everybody. A lot of people, a lot of pundits saw this going in a completely different direction. Is there more they could have done to mitigate it? Yes. I don't know that they needed to. Well, obviously, in retrospect, they did. But I, again, I liked the plan going in. I thought they had a good plan. Could they have done more to mitigate it? Could they have seen it coming? Yes, some of it I think they could have. I think so. I mean, when you say it's a sophomore struggle, well, you knew it was going to be the sophomore season, right? And he, and he didn't just mean for the rookies, the guys that debuted last year. But that that was the way, and that was my, and I wrote this last night, is that you the players that last year who came up and had some pretty quick immediate success, maybe – don't have the perspective of what it means to have to grind through when you don't. And they look around and thought, oh, we've got enough talent around us. We're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And then you're not. And he, yeah, and that it leads to pressing individually or it leads to losing focus individually because you as a collective aren't together. Anymore. Yeah, it's it's funny, man, trying to figure out the difference. But, and, and Jerry didn't really know the answer to it either. I think he ultimately settled on loose. But is this team too tight or too loose? Exactly. We've yeah. been trying to figure out that answer all year long. Yeah. 
And ultimately, what I heard from Jerry is probably more too loose. And yet, so many of the things that he said have to do with being too tight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when after they get the Chicago game, they got on the plane, didn't feel good about that win. You know that feeling? You know that feeling at work when you're not things aren't going well. It's hard yeah. to have fun. It's hard to feel loose. It's hard to let things go the way they should when you start trying to force things into places that aren't natural. I don't know. Well, I think they're too tight in the aspect of like what Divish was saying that he thought service was essentially saying some guys were being selfish because they are looking at their numbers and going, "Oh god, I got to get these up mm-hmm. so they're making poor decisions." But they're tight in the way that they're they don't look like they're having fun. This is not the fun differential team we were watching. And obviously year. it's hard to have fun when you're losing, when you're not right. hitting. I mean, it, it really is. But your point is is absolutely right. God, I just I, – every time we say the word tight, and this is just sort of weird, like when, when my older daughter was a baby – not a baby, but like a toddler, she couldn't understand – like the she thought anything that was painful was tight. That was her word for pain, <laughs> right? I think because of like, you know, seat belts and car oh, seats okay. and all that yeah. stuff. You'd be like, is that too tight? Is Holding that too tight? too tight? No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and so whenever anything hurt, right, she'd go to the doctor to get a shot or something like that. Like, too tight! Too tight! Too tight! Like she just starts screaming. And so I don't know, when I hear us talking about whether the Mariners are too tight, that's kind of where I'm at. And quite frankly, it's the same thing. In this case, pain. Pain of watching this team that, again, has high expectations, deservedly, after what they did last year, that so far, at least, has been completely unable to capitalize on them and to realize their potential. I do still believe, and I'm with Jerry, that there is a lot more potential in this team than what we've seen. I honestly do. I think they can get over some of that sophomore struggle. But nobody saw a sophomore struggle coming. It was the sophomore year. If that's a thing then it has to be part of the conversation. And if that's the thing, then saying some of the, hey, this team go to the World Series, well, but also at the same time, let's be cognizant of the fact that they could step back sophomore struggle-wise. So I, I, I understand where Jerry's coming from, and I understand a lot of the individual points he's making. And I agree with some of them. But I think it's hard to put them all together and come up with a coherent understanding of why we're in a spot that we are and how it couldn't have been foreseen. I I struggle with that part a little bit. We'll be right back. We'll talk through some more of this, maybe even play a uh, cut or two. It's Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710CLSports.com.